This podcast, How Long Gone, is brought to you by Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, that's my favorite part, save and invest. Uh, Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people. So in the spirit of things that are, uh, in fact, money-related, here's how Jason likes to stay connected with his crew. Yeah, so I like to cook food for my friends. Sometimes even people like Chris, guys who don't really like to eat food. And normally I'm, I'm more than happy to go to a local market, a patisserie, an eatery, a Whole Foods, get a bunch of high-quality ingredients, cook them for my friends. Of course, I don't charge them any money. But Chris, I have to make everything vegan, no seasoning, no flavor, no salt. And of course, I do tax his ass. So halfway through that meal, once his uh, potatoes are done boiling and being unsalted and unbuttered, I will, uh, of course, ask that he hits my cash app and, you know, kind of bang me for about 450 for those. But <laughs> it's a good way to sort of pass the time because when I am in the kitchen cooking, there is a little bit of downtime. And that's like when I like to do my uh, cash app invoicing with him. Yeah, Jason sends me the cash app invoices, and luckily for him, it's very easy to pay, and I have a lot more money than him, so I don't mind. Look, the food is not restaurant quality, but it's cooked with love, so I don't mind paying for those organic groceries that Jason had to go uh, source for me. And I do love how easy the cash app app is. I've never used it to send money to Chris because he sort of knows why. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, whether you're sharing a perfect day with friends Sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, and gifting with the number one finance app in the App Store. That's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to add your cash tag to the 80 million and counting. You're so fucking money. How long gone? The long national nightmare is over. Vacation is through. Back to school. Uh, Chris Black coming live to you from Los Angeles. Uh, you know, worn and weary from the road, but a little more time to recover than my illustrious co-host, <laughs> DJ Them Jeans, uh, fresh from Sicily, looking like a spit-roasted pig. How you feeling? Um, Not good, man. Not good at <laughs> all. <laughs> I feel oh. I've, I'm I'm a full zombie for the last two days ever since I landed. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I've I've obviously been there myself in the in the recent uh, past, so I can kind of relate. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're you're doing to kind of help get yourself through this, or are you just kind of uh, waiting for it to pass? Are you act? Are you getting an IV drip? How many good patches do you have all over your body? Are you showering more? Like, are we drinking a different kind of coffee? Like, what are we doing to kind of improve your mood? Great questions. Great questions. So I think the real the real issue is just sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I, I flew back. I, you know, I, I woke up, you know, probably at like 6 p.m. L.A. time and then went to bed at 6 p.m., LA time like 24 hours later just mm-hmm. you know just wacky ass shit so yesterday uh I woke up at 11:30 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> All right so you're doing the night shift bro you're like a you're like I'm a, doing the night shift you're like a firefighter or something hot yeah know? I'm on I'm always on call and then that <laughs> on call is sort of like try to quietly listen to a boring podcast <laughs> to fall asleep um, uh, so I don't wake wake anybody up, and then but huge improvement today. I woke up at one thirty, so 
So it's it's eleven thirty right now. I've been up for almost twelve hours now. Okay, so we got a full we got a full day in the can already. I hope you've accomplished something. And I, I imagine accomplishing something <laughs> is uh, sitting in front of a laptop screen, thinking more and more about Nathan Fielder and trying not to get a hard on. But maybe you've maybe you've done something <laughs> wrong, productive. Wrong. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what you've done. So if you could fill us in. Oh, I woke up. So I since I wake up so early now, mm-hmm. my uh, my life partner, God bless her. You know, we had a great great two weeks of travel. Yeah, it sounded great. It'll break you, <laughs> break you down. You know, it was it was very similar. Our friend of the show, David Cho, was telling me to listen to this american life and uh, because i haven't listened to it in forever and i listened to it last night there's a story about a couple that figured out how to travel together through complaining and stuff like that uh, i would recommend it to you but i know you won't listen mm-hmm. thank you yeah you got it you got it <laughs> yeah so this morning i've been i've been doing a lot of writing mm. i was moving the body and, and i went and brought the lobster out to the tennis courts and hit some balls for an hour what time are we talking about well well i mean i'll wake up at 1 30 and then i just kind of try to fall back to sleep until about uh-huh. five okay and then I wake up and I was saying, God bless my life partner, because I tiptoe around the house quietly like a titmouse, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I got to grind my own beans. Of course. Yeah, of course. Fresh. Yeah, just seconds, yeah. seconds from brewing. So I, she I, said that she's <laughs> like, it's all good. Wake up whenever you want. But every time you use that little fucking gay ass coffee grinder, mm-hmm. grind those fucking beans wakes me up. So then this morning I was like, all right, I have to figure out a plan. Mm. And I was like, do I do... You know, do I grind the night before, which I've done, it's fine, but I don't love the loss of freshness. Yeah, no, I mean, how how could you love that? I mean, I think dealing with it is asking too much. Mm-hmm. So this morning I took the coffee grinder, filled it up, and then I tiptoed it into the guest bathroom, covered it with two towels, <laughs> closed the you door and canceled. locked closed yeah. the door and locked it, just so you know. And then um, I got my grind. I'm pretty sure it worked, but I'm you know sure that's sort of where that. I'm at with my life right okay, now. Okay, so you're you're on knocking on death's door. Um, my, I just one quick question before we move on: Did you drink that coffee out of a hot dog straw, or did you drink it just <laughs> kind of regular style? I just want to because there's some trending, you know, beverage uh, ingesting things happening. And I, I know you're kind of on the cutting edge. My straw is pink. Okay, but it, it is not. It is not a snappy hot dog. I did see that video. I was sad to see that it was apparently um, a planned. Yeah, it was piece it, of content I, and not a and not a candid video. Friend of so the show, kind of yeah, I mean, me friend of, of the show, Jian uh, was the the um, offensive hot dog slurper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that it looked like some New York Yankees sponsored content by enemy of the show, New York Nico. <laughs> hey, um, get, so get that I, money, you guys. Y- get that money. No, I mean, get the money. Of course, I mean, if I if I could make money from baseball, I guess I would. But I fall asleep every time I think about it. <laughs> think of it as a game, not a sport. But yeah, whenever I see things like that, I'm just like, oh, I wish this were were real. Well, that's the problem with the internet, Jason. Besides the Kith uh, American History Museum collaboration, nothing is real, <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at today. But I did you. So, what time did you hit the court solo dolo with your only friend, Red Lobster? <laughs> that no, that was probably like nine a.m. See, I think you should go into. I you know, former guest and friend of the show, Ryan Duffy, is a night runner. Like he'll run at midnight, mm. which I feel like is some serial killer behavior. But also, I think that people you got to do what you got to do to get it in. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking maybe what if you just showed up at at the courts at four a.m. 
You know what I mean? Are are there are there lights? Like, is it is it like the U.S. Open, or or is are there no lights? There, I'm there? sure there are lights, but I don't know if they're on all. I don't know if they're on at four. Yeah. And also, no, shout out to friend not. of the show Ryan Duffy, ex guest, uh, his documentary on. Oh yeah. What's his name? Manny Teow. Yeah. The, yeah. The catfish football player that's all over Netflix. He produced that. The OG cat. Yeah. The OG catfish. Uh, yeah. I forgot Ryan did that. Yeah. Go check that out if you haven't yet. Check it out. So, yeah. I mean, it, uh, my knee's feeling good. I'm very bad at tennis. Uh, I haven't played tennis in a long time. So, I'm playing tomorrow with, with Sam Macon. So, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back on my BS in that beautiful LA heat. But I'm, I'm running the streets again. I'm, I'm hitting Erwan. I'm kind of, you know, I'm. One step away from getting an IV drip. You know, you keep talking about it, but you ain't being about it. What's going on? Let's do it. Should we? We should probably. I think we should do it with a camera crew and just kind of see how we feel. I'm not really great with needles, which I know is a surprise. <laughs> um, I'm. I'm also not great with needles, and I don't. I don't like. I don't like seeing blood. I don't. I, I really don't like an IV drip situation. I don't. I don't either. But I feel like it's the only way to fix you, Coldplay voice. I, I don't know if there's another way that's going to get you. But it could take upwards of seven days for you to reacclimate and we don't have that kind of time we have a lot of podcasts to do this week and and yeah the, but the i mean we'll, we'll me dying will me having a bag full of designer drugs you know <laughs> how much lion is, is the lion's mane gonna change my life i don't, I don't believe it really I, I think the iv shit's kind of fake i don't think it's fake i think it's not as good as people say it is, but I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, I, as a person who gets the B12 shots, those definitely work. Mm-hmm. And the IV is just a, a, a an advanced version of that, really. Sure. You know? Sure, sure, sure. So I don't know. But I just want you to feel better because, like I said, it's, it's, it's back to school. It's back to work. I mean, we tortured – I mean, the excitement I'm feeling to be podcasting again, it, it's it's – Palpable. You needed it's this. You needed this. This is your therapy. I needed this. It's just. It's just. Life is boring without how long gone. I'm sure the, <laughs> the millions of listeners would agree with us. You know what I mean? They had to go listen to other podcasts, I guess, to fill the void. Which is, I mean, as a person who doesn't listen to podcasts, that's probably tough to it's do. It's been tough. It's been tough, but I, it did need to happen, and I, it was. I don't know. I mean, it really felt like kind of like wrestling an anaconda for and it really did take kind of two weeks to to wear it down if that makes sense you know what i mean like to get that that grind set that hustler's ambition out of my system all the way i mean it, i was talking about the the detox and the tree talks and it really was it must be nice you know a little a little white knuckling a little yeah. cold turkey in yeah and it was not easy in in a multitude of ways and and i think we learned just how dependent we are on this crazy thing called podcasting, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's also, you know, this does pay us money, so there is that benefit. There's also the benefit I did of, notice um, that our revenue has gone down in the last two <laughs> months, in the last two weeks. <laughs> revenue has slowed to a halt, and I'm sure people, I'm sure there are plenty of people revisiting the archives, you know what I mean? But but I, mm. I, I do think that the, I agree with you, but it to me, it's like, what would I rather do? Spend money to eat mid-carbs or talk to my friend and possibly a guest for money and it's a it's a it's 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 a no contest kind of situation it's true it's like it's like young thugs plea in the rico case you know it's it's <laughs> and i but but i understand that some of us need to to kind of relax and and reset uh and i'm glad that you were able to do that i mean it's it's not because i'm 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 in the same boat as you i agree with you i i would prefer to do all of that but I also, it's kind of like I needed the arms, uh, you know, a big tan forearms of Sicilian man to just pin me down and yeah, mm-hmm. and just have me just be like, all right, just stop, just 
to stop everything yeah, for two I'm sure weeks. You, yeah, I'm sure you you know read ten to fifteen pages of a book and you know, I read I read four hundred pages of a book. I appreciate I appreciate the jail reference, but I, I have I did see you mid trip and I didn't see any kind of pecs developing from all the push ups and pull ups that you were doing in your cell. Oh, there was no fitness going on whatsoever. And that does lead me to another talking point. <laughs> all of all, many of our fans have have been on vacation as well they're all great people who enjoy traveling uh-huh. and then you'll you'll kind of freak out because you're like okay i've done nothing but eat carbs for the last two weeks yeah i haven't seen the inside of a pilates studio in three weeks oh you know i'm drinking every single night i truly can't relate to any of this and i was also gone for two and a half weeks but <laughs> i want you to con- i want you to continue but you can you could understand how that might be for other people yeah like before of course. no of course like uh, we we live a pretty regimented lifestyle here, where you mm-hmm. know we're, we're we we kind of are very in control of our lives, and then when you're on vacation, right. you're a little more out of control, or at least you should be if you're doing it right. Uh-huh. You know, you you I was feeling like shit. I was feeling bloated. I was feeling guilty for not working out. You know, when you take that away, you really kind of get a little little lost, and then you also feel like oh, as soon as I come back and I, and I step on the scale at Equinox in Glendale. Will I have gained 10 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever it's going to be? And every time... You probably... I'm going to guess you didn't gain any weight. Maybe you lost weight. I did not gain any weight, and I don't think anyone ever does either, but it's 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 like a mental thing, and you just feel it. It's a feeling. No, you don't... I mean, feeling good... Uh, is not necessarily, you know, uh, dependent on, on weight. And the, I, I think, it, you know, and I don't weigh myself. Damn, I, you, you did learn something. You know, I don't weigh myself. I think that's a fool's errand. TJ voice. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't weigh myself. I think it's pointless. I feel good. I look good. I'm great. Yeah. I, I think, I think what the, what, what the science behind it is, I, I did gain, you know, let's say three pounds of, of Aperol spritz fat mm-hmm. during those two weeks. Mm-hmm. But then I was I was dehydrating myself so much and in such poor health that I lost about three pounds of of water weight that I may never get back. I see. I see. So it, it kind of evens out in the wash. That's great. Well, I mean, that being said, uh, I never want to hear about Italy again. Great, because I have a lot to say about Sicily. It's a little bit different. No, I mean, it sounds like from what I from what you were telling me in confidence, uh, it sounded like it was a big old garbage can, uh, and they just happened <laughs> to have a beach there as well. Um, but if the if the table side, uh, you know, prawns. Uh, were better than than anticipated. Please, you know, let me know. There's a lot to cover, and I want to co- talk to our guests about it as well because he uh, he has a travel travel website, and I'm sure he's tangled with with the fairer sex many a time. But really, kind of uh, forcing yourself to enjoy it, and and I think the the kicker is the what I plan on doing for the rest of my life is if I'm going to have to take <laughs> if I'm going to have so to what? take. Uh, <laughs> So what I'm planning to do for the rest of my life? Okay, that's a this is a big declaration. It Everybody, big I hope you're sitting down. Yeah, this is. I hope you're sitting down. So every every year, I'm gonna have to take a two week. I'm, I'm I won't use the V word because it's not a vacation. It'll be two weeks of travel, mm-hmm. which will be more work than my normal life at home, which I've dialed in pretty pretty well. That's right. But it's good to shake it up and make your life difficult. <laughs> I'm going I have to travel to a different country okay. every year. The only stipulation that country has to have marijuana be illegal. Oh. In the, or at least okay. either illegal or very tough to get and the quality is so poor. So like when I was in London, 
obviously I could have found some skunk weed somewhere, but everyone says that's eh, not even really worth it and blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's the key. And then when I do that, it's, it's more of like a rehab. It's like, I'm going to promises for two weeks to Jason. It's to not like my- a rehab. It's, it's not <laughs> like a rehab because you drink all day long. Yeah. But the, the trick is I don't want to be doing it. I don't want to be drinking a beer at 11 AM by the pool. I would rather be taking a bomb ass edible and like, you know, coming up with cool ideas for content, but instead, <laughs> instead, I have to drown my <laughs> my my galaxy brain mm-hmm. in so much suds, and I don't want to be doing that. I, yeah, you looked like you were having a terrible time uh, <laughs> drinking those suds. All um, I got to do is go to a country, you know. So okay, well, you know, especially and if and if I'm having a tough month, if I become like truly addicted to marijuana, where it's like an issue, then I'll have to go to places, you know, like. Like Cambodia Russia? or Singapore, where like maybe where they arrest you, you know, for a that? place where if they, well, you know, let's. I would, I would, I want to be kind of like publicly caned. Okay, I'm, oh, I, I don't okay, want to okay, get okay, like okay. eight years in jail, but like you know, something pretty severe. Maybe they're pulling out fingernails. Okay. Or I don't know, <laughs> okay. trade me for, trade me for someone, but. I don't want to go to a WNBA country, but it's nobody, more nobody, of the, nobody does, nobody does. Well, I mean, I, I'm glad that this this trip has let you led you to figure out your uh, life. I'm sobering up by getting drunk every day. I, no, of course, and I can't wait till you let, you'll really sober up when you check that uh, Apple Mastercard bill. Um, but we'll. <laughs> We'll we'll save that we'll save that for a later episode. Just like I don't check the scale, you can't check the you can't check the 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 Mastercard bill either. Jason. No, but I think this is well. It's an MX bill first and foremost, and I did have to use my Mastercard many times because it's uh, in some of the more remote villages the Americano Express. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you were going into when you were going to gentrify the remote villages of Sicily, where they were wearing fake hair and Preston and touching your girl's ass. <laughs> Uh, they only they only accepted they only accepted Mastercard. Please, please, no. no, no. <laughs> they run up, they run over your foot with a scooter and then pickpocket you. It's really you got to watch out for, for the guys. for the second year running in Italy. The highest selling, most successful clothing brand is is still undisputed. Pyrex is still number one. Pyrex is still making money over there, and I hope my guys are getting a check off that. But it seems, it seems, <laughs> it seems like it might be bootleg. And I'm going to talk to Matthew Williams about that because I think the Givenchy legal team could probably kind of step in and and help out over there. I was I was trying to explain this to <laughs> to my life partner, and I was like, "Damn!" Because you you'll see like a 70 year old grandpa wearing like a camouflage Pyrex so basketball sick. set, so like sick. shorts and a jersey. So sick. Or or you'll see like a very hot like 23 year old model chick wearing like a bodycon dress and that and it has like the Pyrex logo on the front. You'll see a you know a two year old child wearing Pyrex onesies, you know. It's a it's a billion dollar brand over there, mm-hmm. and I'm one. I, w- I want to like interview somebody who works at the actual Pyrex company. Well, Pyrex is not a company, Jason, and it's no longer. Um, no, no, I'm talking about like the measuring. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. The, <laughs> the the boot. It was start, It was originally a bootleg based off of the Pyrex measuring cup. That's right, Jason. That's because that's where we cook crack. Where I'm from, all these all the streetwear designers that uh, are enjoy cooking crack on the stove in their in their trap. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Givenchy <laughs> Trap serving all the fiends. They were serving uh, out of the Pyrex. Yeah, so I want to know, like, 
you know, the company that has built, been making high-quality glass measuring cups <laughs> for probably 100 years. Not high-quality. You know, somewhere in, somewhere in Dayton, Ohio, or whatever their HQ is. Yeah. Are they even aware that... Yes, of course. They've, they probably tried to shut it down, and they lost, and now everybody's good. I mean, look, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure the, the, that they tried to fight it and lost. And don't worry, I don't feel bad for them. There's, you know, Pyrex Calibre was supreme. They're in on the whole thing, okay. bro. So we all, we all, we can all eat is what you're saying. We can all eat. And the reality is no matter what you make in this crazy fucked up world we live in, Jason, you can't escape the long arm of streetwear. No matter what you do, streetwear will find you. They will take you and they will turn mm, you out. Like the Grim Reaper. Nothing is safe, Jason, and that's something that that we should look out for because if we if we start seeing gone bootlegs in Italy, we will both know <laughs> we've made it and that we're losing out on on countless dollars. Mm-hmm. And I know better than to tangle with the Sicilian mafia. Trust me. No, no, no. I don't. I, I want you to make it back so we can continue to do this show. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want you to die, die over. Yeah. There. Lastly, before our guest comes on, I, w- I was on the plane and I had that great situation where one person has uh, first class and one person has economy. One person. Uh, one person. Your, your life partner. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and normally, when if I've ever been in that situation, I give it up. But this time, I did not give it up. So you chose to be not chivalrous because you'd been dragged through that boot-shaped country forced to eat and drink for (laughs) weeks and you said this is my time for revenge bitch kind of i mean i used to i don't know what it was and it it was a long story involving the ticket booking and and she planned all out and we doesn't doesn't seem that long it seems like tj came up and somebody else fucked up is what it sounds like to me it was bad but um, for some reason I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I think I, I think I deserve it. And, and she agreed and it was all good, but I was, I was sitting in, in like row one seat one, you know, like best seat in the house, whatever mm-hmm. I, a, a ticket that I bought with my own money, not from like some other business thing or whatever. Like I was proud of myself and I was feeling, feeling myself. And then the person sitting next to me was a, a 10 year old child. <laughs> That's who, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, man. That's the thing. It's when you when you check into the hotel, it's a thousand dollars a night, and you realize there's it's just a kids running around. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like sometimes the the mean parents who may not have as much money as they wish they had, you know, they'll sit in first class and then put mm-hmm. the kids in the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, this family was so rich, and also the this ten year old. First, I was like, oh, he's a cool ten year old. He's just pulling out his iPad and he's gonna watch um, football. Um, videos or whatever for the entire 12 hour flight. But he, uh, in, instead, he was a, an Italian kind of TikTok vlogger star. <laughs> How do you know he was a star? You're seeing numbers or like, what do we, what is your gauge? He was a little too hot. Mm-hmm. And um, how old do you think this little bitch was? 10. He's, he's about 10 years old. Nightmare. So what the entire 12 hour flight, I am no, no hyperbole. He was recording himself on video talking <laughs> oh, into his on, camera bro, come on <laughs> the whole fucking time he took his shirt off at one point he was flexing into the camera bro you are lying dude come on and then he did this thing where you know how like every kind of like tiktoker vlogger bro has like hair where like the bangs are like in the front uh-huh. like it's like like weird fucked up tiktoker hair and he had like normal kind of hair but the bangs were like covering his forehead he would take his bangs with one hand and f- lift them up and then do like kind of like a duck 
pouty face into the mm-hmm. camera mm-hmm. and he probably did that motion you know maybe four to five hundred <laughs> times over this and he was talking so did you he was talking to himself for you know 11 hours straight did this distract you from oceans 11 or were you able to kind of concentrate on yeah, your film it was fucked up okay so did you try to get a cameo or did you just let him do his thing yeah i got a couple cameos but he was he uh he eventually also did a thing where he didn't want to touch the ground like he took his he was wearing yeezys of course and he of took course. his yeezys off for comfort reasons and he didn't want to he he wanted to like walk around and like record himself but he didn't want to walk on the floor with of course with his bare Smart. feet because it's disgusting yeah, it's gross so he would kind of monkey crawl on the all the business class pods like the armrests and Bro, the backs what? and the seats and he would like walk walk over aisles to go talk to his family members and not a single person stopped him. Not a single flight attendant said anything. Their mom didn't care. Like it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life for that long. I wonder for that kind of behavior to go unchecked in such a way. It makes me think that this guy might've been paying for the flights for the whole family. My thoughts. Exactly. Maybe, maybe his, he's a cash cow. Yeah. Maybe his star is actually higher than we, we even realize based on this. I'm, I am, did you it's it's just so nice to be back in america (laughs) and i i can't i i can't stress that enough jason and it's it's um it's like i'm learning to drive again you know i had to reacclimate it was like when i went to to easton to see hunter it was it was like i had seen a ghost you know (laughs) um i i had to you know i'm not able to push as much weight as i was pushing before i left but he's getting me back there thank god Mm -hmm. um but it is it's just and have you had any comfort food you know obviously pizza and pasta are out i never want to see it again but have you had um have you had any kind of meals that warmed your cockles and reminded you like a burger and fries maybe no no i i, I keep an asian household over here in glendale you know that chris so it's ma- mainly we've, we've yeah, been craving yeah. rice around here around these you parts you keep an asian house you keep an asian <laughs> household all right yeah yeah i don't want to see those hard drives list that say hey asian come on households. now hey come on, come on. <laughs> Uh, uh, so it's all in the saying, cloud okay. nowadays, brother. No, no, I agree. I mean, I we've been eating a lot of uh, sushi. Um, even though mm-hmm. we had a lot of sushi in Paris, I was I was craving it. Um, but I I think that the that's something we don't we don't really talk about. <laughs> Pasta and pizza are good, but they're not that good. <laughs> they are good, and and this was this was a subject that that we were talking about a lot. And she she would just say like, oh, eventually, whenever I'm on a trip my body will just start craving rice because it's just, you know, it's in my DNA or whatever. And I was, and she would be like, what are you craving when you get back? Like, and I was like, I'm, I'm truly craving the absence of food. I just want like mm. nothing. I just yeah. want nothing. Well, the problem with vacation is because there's nothing to do. The only kind of, you know, things in your day are meals because there's truly nothing to do. I build my, build my life around it. Stevie Nick's voice. That's all I do to begin with. So it's fine. But that it, it becomes exhausting. It's exhausting. Eating is for losers is what we've discovered. And I'm glad that you're kind of on board with that now. <laughs> Something I've been kind of preaching for a while, but now I finally have DJ Them Jeans on board. I was I was also craving uh, drip coffee. I read a great book on my flight, actually. Uh, it's called Dirtbag Massachusetts by a guy named Isaac Fitzgerald, which I quite liked. Okay. And uh, I enjoyed that and finished, finished that. And then I was also able to, you know, Watch some films, uh, Jason. You know I'm anti-movie, but on the plane, obviously, there's no choice. And I was able to dip into the genre that I think mo- I most identify with when flying 
uh, is in play, and that is Sex in the City too. No, like a little more of like a thriller with crime, like The Departed, but lighter. You know what I mean? So like I watch Oceans, like a heist, maybe. You know what I mean? Like Italian job. Or you watch Oceans 12 in Roma. I watched Oceans 12. A little Departed, a little Jason Bourne. Ago. Ago is such a good movie, dude. Okay, so you want to see a little, you know, you want to see some like Audis driving around. A little in Carlo. Yeah, but I watched. So, so unfortunately, I did watch No Time to Die, uh, the, the James Bond film with, mm-hmm. uh, the Billie Eilish theme song. And that shit, even, even on a nine hour flight, that shit being three hours pissed me off. <laughs> the only saving grace was. That's crazy. It's crazy. There's three hours long. The only saving grace is the beautiful French face of Leia Seydoux. Mm-hmm. A legend. That saved me. But yeah, I mean, we need to talk about uh, my birthday, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and I'm I'm in the throes of planning a soiree to celebrate my 40th year. CB40. CB40. 9/11. Yeah, remains like it's 9/11. And I just want to give shout outs. Uh, shout out to you, actually, Jason, for kind of helping out with the uh, the the DJ equipment, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's something that I kind of leaned on you for and you've come through. And I just, I won't, cause I feel like people don't think you support me that much. They think <laughs> I kind of, I kind of prop you up, but you actually just don't do much for me, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to turn, I want to, for the fall 2022, I kind of want to turn that narrative around and show people like a different side of TJ. Luckily I do have connections in the, in the DJ rental community. And shout out to our good friends over at Dart. If you ever need any rental gear here in Los Angeles, my man, mm-hmm. my man Michael David over there will sort you out. Yeah, he's hot too. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to. I don't want to rent gear from a guy that looks like he should be on stage. But this is where we're at. Yeah, all the all the guys that I've rented DJ equipment of through the years, you could you could imagine that they were they <laughs> yeah. weren't they weren't you know Phi Hadids. <laughs> You know, they were more, uh, you know, they're more foos gone wild types. You yeah, know what I mean? of course. No, of course. And I'm glad that I'm glad that, uh, that that we're sorted out. But I wanted to, you know, if you do get an invite to CB40 and you think that you're up to snuff and you could go back to back with someone like DJ Them Jeans. Um, <laughs> is this a, is this a public call out for a private party? I like this. That's right. It's a public call out that if you think your, your sticks are stocked and you're ready to plug in mm-hmm. to the digital 1200s and go B to B with, with Mikey or TJ, then by all means, I dare you. Good freaking luck. Are there any are there any professional DJs attending your birthday? Is A Track on the guest list? Do I have something to worry about? Or no, unfortunately, am I doing all right? Diplo said that he would be there if I could get six CDJs, and I said that was a little bit out of budget uh, for this <laughs> for this event. So for, I don't know. There will be some. I, I'm, I'm going to guess there's some people who consider themselves to be DJs, Jason. You know, I, I'm going to guess there's going to be people that have been paid to DJ before, but. Mm-hmm. What does that really mean? Right. The word professional DJ nowadays is a little blurry. It's blurry. Just like, and I, I want to make a quick call out right now um, while we're kind of mm. you know checking things off the docket, catching up, that um, we now, not only, Jason, as, as podcasters at How Long Gone, do we have to compete with celebrities, actors, you know, musicians, Bruce Springsteen, the former mm. president of the United States. Now we're competing with literal British royals. <laughs> Meghan Markle, the best scammer of all time, has now launched a podcast, and her first episode is with is with uh, it's called Archetypes, and it's with Serena Williams. Mm. Spotify is is obviously you know they love us; they don't love us as much as uh, Meghan Markle. Who's more famous? It's anyone's guess. When does this end, Jason? When can we? When can real podcasters you know stay at the top? Why do we have to compete 
with these celebrities. The only thing that'll make it end, I guess, is when podcasts stop being easy, an easy thing to make money at. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, I mean, the, we've talked about it before. The three lines with uh, comparing it to DJing is mm-hmm. anyone can look at a podcast and be like, I could do that. That's just chatting. I chat it up. Mm-hmm. But luckily, all of these celeb shows, they kind of fall by the wayside pretty soon and they kind of crumble. And we realize that Meghan Markle is actually, you know, no Mark Marin, Markle Marin herself. <laughs> <laughs> Markle Marin archetypes on, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. But you really, it really, you do, you do have to be good at it. It's if you, if you suck ass at it at an audio based platform it doesn't matter if you're hot yeah no it doesn't matter if you scammed the royal family and i'm sure the julia fox podcast all three episodes of it were (laughs) awesome and really fucking sick and and life-altering but you know these things kind of fizzle and fade after a while and luckily it is a it's true it's not a hot person's game you gotta stick it out jason we do have a guest today bob guccione jr is uh an american publisher uh, he's the son of the late penthouse founder, uh, Bob Guccione, of course. Um, he launched Spin Magazine, a title that Jason and I both grew up with. Uh, he's done a, a handful of other things. He's got an interesting dating history, which I really want to get into. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, give, let's give Bob a jingle uh, and see what he has to say. Bob, where are you coming to it? Where are, you, are you in your man cave right now? I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? No, we, we live here now. We, we got away from it all about 10 years ago what's up what's up in pennsylvania is that where so you... this is not a witness protection or anything like that i didn't say it wasn't, I didn't say it wasn't. <laughs> uh but uh, we don't have to go there i'd rather talk about dating <laughs> you you and your lo- long-term life partner moved to pennsylvania yeah we 12 did. years ago 10 years ago 10 years ago roughly um we had this house that we used for weekends and then mm. we both got sick of the city and actually, I got invited to teach University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, teach journalism. So I went down there for a year, taught journalism, um, badly, but nonetheless, you know, I did, did in fact teach it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, then we moved back and we were sitting on the deck on an August evening and just, well, this is pretty nice. We don't want to go back to New York. We really were getting like the hives thinking about moving back to New York City. <laughs> I mean, I lived there 38 years. I was born there, grew up in England, but I was born in New York City. Mm-hmm. So I'm a real New Yorker, but. We're done. We were done. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we just like the country life. We stay here. We occasionally spend some time in Boston. So what do you do for what do you do for fun out there? Are you are you do you have a farm? Are you are <laughs> yeah, you wish. cooking? I, I like a farm. You got animals? Like what's the I vibe? I cook a lot. I cook a lot. We have a little dog, doesn't quite count as animals, but we have a animal. <laughs> uh and I cook a lot and you know, we, we both work from home and mm-hmm. Publishing a travel site, you probably know that from your extensive mm. forensic research. Of me. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, we we kind of have a crack research team that we send out into the field to kind of <laughs> get all the intel we can before a guest of your stature joins us. So you're you're dead on. Excellent. You're dead on. <laughs> Excellent. I was I was probing there, making sure. Of course. What and what kind of so that's it. cooking do you do now? Are you like a are you a barbecue guy? Are you no no? Is it just whatever you happen to catch in one of your traps or <laughs> yes yes that's... or are there markets nearby as well? well? A lot of it's roadkill. I can't take all the all the crap. No, I, I cook Italian mostly. Mm. And there's a story today. See, I was married very early in life. I was 24. Married to an English woman, a great woman, who who actually works with me on my travel site, Wanderlust. She's actually my managing editor. We stayed, obviously, stayed great friends. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, she went to cook pasta one night. We were in England. 
And she literally put cold water on the stove, stuck the pasta in it, and then she opened a jar of something foul-looking. And I went, this is not a life I'm prepared for. <laughs> so you're saying that the, the, the Italian cuisine that your ex-wife was preparing led her to be your ex-wife. That was the, yes. that was the last straw for you. Yeah, it was the first straw. It was the first day, too. Uh, but no, no, seriously, what happened was I called my mother up in New Jersey, and she talked me through a recipe. Uh, and from there on, I cooked. And to this day, 42 years later, because it was 1980, 42 years later, we still joke that Camilla just actually deliberately cooked a crap meal, knowing I would do all the cooking thereafter. Mm. So she was not so stupid. Not so stupid. No, that's a classic move. I, uh, yeah. J- Jason I, and I both actually just returned from Italy, oh. and the thought of eating pasta is vomit-inducing um, <laughs> right, right now for me. But we have a theory, actually. Just for now. We have a theory, actually, that food in Italy is mid. It's not that great. <laughs> what do you think? Wow. What do you think? Wow. Like, have you had a life-changing bite of an al dente noodle looking over the beautiful fields of Tuscany? <laughs> that sounded very gay, but... <laughs> just, to, just to call it out. <laughs> Don't worry, Bob. Don't worry, Bob. This is a different kind of podcast. All right, brother? In the culinary sense, um, I indeed have had many a noodle that I found transcendent. <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> no, we're talking about food, Bob. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, we are back. Okay, back to food. Sure. Uh, sure, whatever you want. <laughs> uh, so, fantastic. I think Italian food's the best in the world. I think you're mad, you're wrong, you know, but uh, that's okay. Different opinions. I agree. I think that Italian food is good, but. I know that it's a very difficult argument to make and an unpopular opinion, but I might wager that the Italian food in L.A. and New York in 2020, by and large, is a little bit better and more, um, I don't know, you can count on it more than, than in Italy. Really? And I, might, and I might feel the same way about sushi in Japan as well compared to L.A. And I know that's, that's very... Uh, Heretical. Do all the best chefs in Italy leave and go... Somewhere else to the big city to make it? Who knows? They do, by the way. They actually do. They come to America. Most of them come to New York. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they're exactly. replaced by other great chefs. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think that the food in Italy is transcendent, but I don't actually mean the classic famous Italian restaurants in Italy. I can't remember the names. Um, Rome has bad food. Rome has the, the, the Italian food, the equivalent of which you would find in a bad area of Pittsburgh. <laughs> very, very poor food. No, I've had the, the best pasta I've ever had was in Rome. Really? You have no credibility with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're easy targets. You're easy going to think it's the best you ever had. I think uh, generally Rome is not as good as the countryside. Now, there's a restaurant in the countryside uh, called La Frateria. It's in a drug rehab. It's my favorite restaurant in the world. The whole place is a drug rehab. <laughs> it's a 12th century uh, convent slash monastery, both over the years, converted by an Italian priest uh, who many years ago started something called Mondo X, which was a new form of rehabilitation mm-hmm. where you became very immersed in the land. You grew the food. You, you cooked everything. You, you fixed everything in the place. Mm-hmm. And you worked. Now, the recidivism of the drug addicts they take through this system is 1%. Okay. There's no drug rehab in no, the world that's, I've ever. Did you go to this for rehab or did you just go to eat? No, no, for food. <laughs> okay, okay. I just, <laughs> just want to clear that up. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm 
I'm still on the run from rehab. (laughs) But uh, I uh, was taken there by a friend, and I've been going back ever since. I wrote about it on Wanderlust. I'll send you guys later the link. It's it's an amazing place. It literally is remarkable. Do the people who are being rehabilitated help out with the cooking, or how does – Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no. They do all, all the work. It is only them. It's a Michelin-starred restaurant, and the French don't like giving Italians no, Michelin no, stars. No, no. Mm. True. It's to them. So it, you can imagine how good it really is, you know. Interesting. Uh, and the most tasty food I've ever had. And I, think, I think the best three meals of my life were, were the last three I had there. So, But but a lot of um, the country food is so simple because everybody cooks well in Italy. So the only offer is that uh, people don't feel like cooking for a night or washing dishes. They go down the road to a little cafe or a little restaurant mm-hmm. in their little village in the mountains. And it's as good as um, best food in New York. So sure, sure. This this rehab restaurant has my interest peaked. I have to say. Oh, it is amazing! It is amazing. It's also it's also a small hotel, it's six rooms, but they take the view. They take two views. One is that every guest who stays there is an angel. They mean an angel, mm-hmm. like from heaven. That's how they view you. Not like um, not like what Jason calls his favorite stripper, like a real exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. We could okay. we could use a little bit of that. The guest is an angel. That's sort of the next step after the customer is always right. Yeah, it beats the customer's always right. Yeah, yeah. It's the next level. It is. It's the customer is eternally right. <laughs> and they mean internally. And uh, you know the other the other thing about it is they don't really care. I mean, it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. They do not have a website. They have an email address. They have a phone. They never answer. You know, it's very hard to actually get a reservation. That sounds like Italy to me. Yeah, exactly. But it's Italy on the steroids, <laughs> you know. It's really <laughs> They don't care. You know, when I was there with my girlfriend, I said, you know, I, I can't help but notice we're the only people here. <laughs> and in the restaurant, the first two nights, we're the only people in the restaurant. And I said, oh, we don't care. We're about making people's lives better. It's incidental as to whether anybody shows up. Wow. You know, that's fine. If you do, we cook a meal for you. If you don't, we cook a meal for ourselves. That's how Jason and I feel about podcasting, actually. You know what I mean? It's like, we're look, we're <laughs> doing this, you know, and if people listen, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and luckily for us, people listen. Yeah. We don't have a Michelin star yet, but we're working on that kind <laughs> yeah, of space, too. The French don't like us either, Bob. No, the French don't like anybody. The, the French don't The French don't like anybody. I, I honestly, <laughs> like... I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I don't like them either, but I, I don't find an opportunity to be rude to them enough. Well, you so have to maybe look I should harder. go to you more. Have to look harder. There are opportunities. I want to go to some French places just to be rude, you know, in America. It's a good plan. You could do a tour. <laughs> I, but I think they could beat me at my own game, unfortunately. They invented it. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. They invented insouciance, which is a French word, no less. Uh, so, but the Art Buckle once wrote a great column about the French. He says, he says don't be upset if the French. Don't like you. They don't like themselves. <laughs> I like that. That's my new outlook on life. What is your relationship to France? You would choose Italy every time? Oh, yeah. But France isn't far behind. France is a beautiful country. There's a town called Vézelay in the south of France. Not not the Riviera, but south of Paris, I should say. And there was a restaurant there called L'Esperance. Now gone, closed. I think the guy, the chef owner, I think, just retired or died. But that was the most extraordinary restaurant I've ever been to. It was um, and he, I uh, forget his name, and you wouldn't know it, I'm sure, because, I mean, I can't remember it. It wasn't known here in America, and this was all pre-internet days. And uh, very, very nice and uh, beloved by his staff, and all before the, the TV chefs, you know, before the crazy chefs. Well, how, would you say that you've been beloved by your staff over the years? What do you think? Oh, I would say that. I would indeed. <laughs> but I am delusional. 
and I lie. <laughs> so I'll take that into context. You know, you can imagine what I really think. No, I, I, I am hopeful that I'm beloved by some of my stuff. I think that's the best. I think that's the best you can shoot for. To be honest, I mean, it you is, can't expect it is, everyone it is. to love you if you have any sort of personality. No, exactly, and or any drive. You know, um, I remember one day as a true story, my assistant. Uh, was leaving work. He was a guy who was leaving work. And I said, oh, what are you doing tonight? That's just as one does. He says, oh, I'm going to a meeting of um, a group of people that formed that hate you. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a group that met for drinks once a month. And, and my, my assistant did not hate me, but he had been invited to come along. I'm sorry. So you're saying to me there was a group <laughs> of people, like AA style, that would meet yes. in a church basement to talk about yeah, how much they, they meet in a bar. dislike <laughs> they you. They meet in a bar. How much they, yes. And do the, yeah. these are former staff members, or these are just people that don't like, just general no, people no, that don't like you? They hadn't opened it up to the general public, unfortunately. They would have been <laughs> deluged, no doubt. These are all people whose lives you were paying for. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and they had apparently at some point probably fired. Anyway, they uh, they met, uh, I think eventually it dissipated from boredom of, you know, you hate somebody for so long. Mm-hmm. Get, but, That's what I'm shooting for because I but, think uh, might- I do think that if you're trying to do something in life, you, you will upset people. And if you don't try to do something in life, then you won't upset people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I've been very driven my whole life and, you know, driven not by money as much. I've been rich and I've been poor. And um, honestly, to be very, very honest, I haven't been happier rich. I was more comfortable. And certainly See, I don't. Secure. I don't like but, to hear that because <laughs> money, money is kind of the driving force in my life. Some people even call me capitalist Chris on this podcast. Uh, um, but so you're telling me that I can make a lot more money, and it won't. It'll make me more comfortable, but I won't be happier necessarily. Necessarily, no, you won't. I mean, you'll you'll enjoy the finer things in life. When I sold Spin, I made a fortune, and a friend of mine was managing editor of the New York Post, and he said, "So, so what does it feel like?" And I said, "It feels like everything is free." <laughs> Because they're going to put everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that was interesting and nice. And um, the other thing I thought was the house wine got better. (laughs) You know, whatever I drank at home was much, much, much better. (laughs) One day uh, in the office, you know, I used to have this thing. If we worked past six, I would get some beers. Cool boss alert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yet they hated me, and yet they hated me. (laughs) They're like, we want want Coke, not beer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's worse. So anyway, I... Brought some beers in, and uh, in those days we had no computers, so we had to produce the magazine by, you know, scalpels and <laughs> gum and, and sheets of paper and all that stuff. So you could be there for hours longer. And so I'd get some beers and get some food in. And one day I'd said to my assistant, I said, oh, you know what? I really fancy a glass of wine. Here's the wine I like. I wrote it down. There's the wine store around the corner. That's where I get on my way out. So he went off and he brought back a couple of bottles of this Margot. Now, this was 19... 19- 90 something. So it's 1982 Margot, which is like the best Margot year mm. it's since 1955. So anyway, so it was great 1982 Margot. And, um, the next night we were working late. I sent my assistant, uh, to go get some more wine and some more food. And the third night we were working late. I'm walking out the door because I actually have uh, a dinner I have to go to. And one of my staff shouts out, more Margot. <laughs> what the fuck you people drinking Budweiser a week ago? <laughs> now you're a wine connoisseur. It's disgusting me. You, 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 you shot yourself in the foot with that. You're being too nice to, you're being yeah, too nice to the staff. And that's something that, that's something that I'm going to take away from this. You can only be so nice. You know what I mean? Cause then they start walking all over you. Exactly. They walk all over me. They can't get a taste for the grand crew. No, exactly. 
thank God they didn't know about Poyak. So did you? So so I want to understand what the feeling is. So you you sold spin, you made a fortune. When you say fortune, or can you tell us how much? Where would I make in those days? Twenty million or something. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money at the okay. time. Nineteen ninety-seven. Oh yeah. And it was a lot of money any time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Twenty million. Look, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of money. I was a kid too. I was only forty something. So you're giving me hope because I'm turning forty in a couple weeks. Twenty million is just right in my eyesight. You know what I mean? Oh I can yeah, see no, it. I can you see can do it. a lot with twenty million. That's right. So what did you did you blow it on on you know fun stuff or did you in, make some bad investments? Like what? How much did we lose? You know what I mean? I mean the truth, of course, is it was all strippers and drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. No, no. I, I invested in a new magazine. The magazine did lose a lot of money, sadly. But I, I had <laughs> which, fun. Which, mag- which magazine was that? Was that Gear? I started a magazine called Gear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, ironically, was in many ways better than the spin. It was smarter in some ways. It was actually, mm-hmm. we had some profound journalism in it. And, and it was a beautiful magazine. But it, it came out at a time when um, the dot-com bust happened and the, the media world sort of pancaked inwards. And uh, it was very tough, and I and I had not raised money, so I was solely funding. So you it. just so you just did the thing that they tell you not to do. Absolutely, paid, yeah. Just and they're paid right. out of pocket, and they're right. <laughs> let me tell you, they're right. Let me just let me. I want it on my gravestone. They're right. <laughs> We've been told by a few people uh, on the show and in our personal lives about kind of how much you know how much writers of note used to get paid, you know, for a magazine cover story, mm-hmm. uh, because now obviously it's pennies on the dollar, but. You know, were you paying? Were you paying big money yeah. for the cover story? Oh yeah, I mean, both that spin and gear. I was a great believer in you paid writers what it took to get them to write for you. So, I mean, I think that that's the the part of the job that people forget about because I think it's like the the you know making a magazine thing is complicated, but mm-hmm. like there is mm-hmm. there is the discovery element, and that that seems fun. Oh, absolutely, yeah, that was always fun. Well, to be the boss and not get bogged down in like the bullshit and still be able to do that part is probably well, you do get bogged down in the bullshit. There's no no getting away from it, um, and it's not a failure of management. It it is the entrepreneurial path. You have no choice. You know, uh, you have to do everything in the beginning. You know, I used to with a scalpel literally edit the pages as they went after the printer taking you know we had one word over one line over you had to go in and mm-hmm. edit it then repaste a little line and all that well it sounds ridiculous to talk about it today in 2022 but now i have such a graphic eye even on even on um the digital mm-hmm. you know frame i'll see something that's off by 60th of an inch or something whatever it is on my screen because of that using the scalpel for so many years and that precision a great friend of mine once said no experience is wasted. And that's a great piece of wisdom. I don't think I've ever heard anything wise from my whole life. Because we, we don't, don't think of bad experiences or mundane experiences or our own wrongheadedness or going down the wrong road uh, for as long as we go down it. We don't think of that as actually being valuable, but it all is in some way. You know, and, and, and life is really an attitude. You either have the attitude that I'm, I'm fine, I'm getting somewhere, I'm learning something. Or you have the attitude that everything that goes wrong is the only way it could possibly go. So it's it's a choice sometimes. <sighs> can you teach Chris how to do that? <laughs> I, can, I can try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean because like we we you know travel is a, is a, a big subject on your mind, and and Chris and I sort of have been wrestling with that concept of it might not be something that we like quite as much. 
but it is an experience that is not wasted in my mind. And I'm just sort of turning that corner now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe Chris will get there one day as well. I'm not sure, but you, I feel like you've probably done a lot of traveling with a lot of, uh, Life partners through the decades. Mm. Are there any uh, any travel tips on kind of getting along when you're on the road with your main squeeze? Oh wow, what a heavy question! Aside aside from throwing money at the problem, of course. No, throw money at the problem. That's the only answer. <laughs> Believe me, if, if you don't have the <laughs> if you don't have the money, steal it. <laughs> it's a disaster. Otherwise, you know, it's funny. We did a piece on this about um, what's the expectation when you go away with somebody. If you haven't slept with them already, which is, by the way, don't ever do that. I've done that. It's a disaster. <laughs> um, because you have to get that out of the way. That has to either work or not work, or be a factor or not be a factor. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and generally, you know, look, it's the same for life. Just respect the partner. And I have learned, and I've learned it late in life. Um, the woman may not always be right, but if you treat her like she's always right, it will usually work out to you benefit mm-hmm. now that sound i don't mean that to sound sexist although i i guess maybe it is but it isn't meant to be it's meant to be that sometimes <laughs> we guys don't realize how dominating and domineering we can be yeah and sometimes sometimes we need to just imagine from their point of view i've had a few of the most important women in my life including my current girlfriend who i've been with for nearly 20 years she has pointed out that you don't know how you sound sometimes and you sound, you know, aggressive or too, too mm-hmm. overpowering. And, you know, so I have learned to look through other people's eyes. I've gotten a lot of feedback like that as well, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's, that's good to, that's good to know that yeah. I'm kind of not the only guy floating in the ether. No, but I, I, I think, I think some of it just comes with age. I'm a little more aware of of my presence and how I speak and and how it can come off, mm-hmm. uh, especially in my personal life. Uh, because unfortunately, in our business, you know, the more aggressive and wild you sound, you kind of get rewarded for it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it, true. it's a confusing thing not to take work home with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you really do just mellow out with age. I'm sure. I'm sure you can. I'm sure Bob can mm. can attest. It's just like yeah. I don't care about things as much as I used to care about them in a in a nice way. I think. No, I, I, you know, I, I have mellowed, and then they've hit a certain point in life called senility. So mm. now I'm beyond mellowing. <laughs> but uh, you know, you do mellow as you get older. You also get more. You also get more comfortable in your own skin, mm-hmm. and that makes you much more elastic. Mm. Just you, you stretch to the situation easier. Um, and, and, and if you're smart enough to pay attention as you get older, you, you realize that some principles just always, always count. You know, think about other people as you wish they would think about you. It's funny how you, you, you invariably look at the stuff you were taught as a kid in school, mm-hmm. you know, religiously, if you grew up in a, as I did, a Catholic school environment. Um, and how much of it just makes sense, you know, treat others as you wish you'd be treated. You know, it sounds so simple. We don't do it for 30, 40 years later. We realize that's the way to do it. You know. Yeah. There's a reason that that old adage has stood the test of time. It's important in this. We live in this terribly woke time where nobody can sustain a criticism. Well, nobody can learn from that. (laughs) (laughs) If we don't criticize each other um, and we don't say, well, look, you know, I I don't agree with that. I don't. There's another way of looking at something right or wrong. At least we're having a dialogue. And I, well, the problem I have with the politically correct age is it actually stifles and strangles dialogue. 
not interested in dialogue. It's interested in Talibanic imperatives. Very similar to the Taliban. There's one way of doing things. That's the way we're going to do. If you don't do it, we'll stone you in the public square. In this case, in our case, public square is social media. That's right. Twitter, Twitter is the, is the public square. I agree. It really is. And people get stoned there. You know, they get stoned to death there. And so, you know, as a lifelong writer and editor, the one thing that I, the, the currency that runs through my spirit is words. And I think words are very, very important. And I think that there's no real wrong way to use them. I mean, if you use them offensively, categorically offensively, if you use them aggressively and hatefully, then people will dismiss you. The public will, mm-hmm. will calibrate, recalibrate you and, and, and isolate you and ghettoize you appropriately. So, but criticism is not the same thing as hate speech. You know, one can be critical of something and it's not hate speech. And I think that the attempt to crush, to, to literally just atomize a criticism is a terrible, terrible, terrible trend because it stifles dialogue. To me, it's interesting because you, I mean, you know, like, uh, uh, especially in, in the, your time of spin, criticism was a huge part of the magazine. You know, that's, oh, like, absolutely. That's yeah. like a, that, that's what used to be something that, that, uh, you know, was, was what we would buy magazines like that for, you know, I want to see what spin has to say about, you know, X, Y, Z for the good and the bad. You could, you could say, yeah. Yeah. you know, you could criticize something poorly and you're like, I'm glad somebody said this thing that I was thinking that nobody else was saying. Um, and it's probably tough, you know, in, in your mind where it's become a lot more difficult to avoid being looked at as somebody who would, you know, criticize somebody else and, have it not come off like hate speech. Do you, do you think that it is still possible for somebody like you to criticize other people without it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm not intimidated. Okay. I couldn't care less what social media says. I'm not on it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. I guess mean, you'd know because people send it to you in an email. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I know. Bob exactly left sets will tell you if it's Yeah, happening. Bob left sets will definitely tell you. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I but, think that, yeah, I mean, it's also that I think that we've shifted in a way where the problem is that, you know, if we're speaking about it, you know, when it comes to like the arts, you know, I think that there's basically fans of superstars feel like their job is to protect said superstar on social media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like if there if there's a Beyonce gets three or four stars somewhere, you're going to get doxxed yeah. if you're the pitchfork writer yeah. that gave her three or four stars because it's not perfect. And the fans that they're they think their job is to kind of defend and it's, I mean, it goes back to this too, something we talk about on the show all the time, which I'm sure you have an opinion on, is the fact that there's not, the celebrity profile is dead. Yeah, you know, they is. They won't allow it. They won't, you know, they, they'd rather send an essay in or have their friend interview them or whatever it is. There's no kind of, no one's spending six days with Brad Pitt, you know, and really like getting the story. Yeah. And it's partly because, it's partly because the celebrities are too smart now and like understand the value and know how to play the game. But it's also the fact that the, the 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 publications won't assign. I don't think the publications will assign the story because they want the celebrities to like them. Yeah, that's a very big part of it. You're right. I'm seeing a lot of that in the business. Terrible amount of it. And I'm against it. It's worthless. Getting to know someone. I mean, I just remember it as a kid, like just, you know, pouring over stuff like that because you feel like you're actually learning something about someone yeah. that is big, bigger than life, you know, and that. That isn't possible anymore. Well, it isn't possible, and that's just great sadness because what we have is a bunch of avatars now, fake people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and back in the day when we were doing spin, 
we would send a writer for a week to be hang out with a musician or a group or an actor, and they would, they would just, you know, really get fantastic detail. And mm-hmm. and it made the person being interviewed and profiled so much more interesting because they were real. That's the thing. It's yeah. it's human. I, that's what I don't understand. Because to me, as the reader, it's humanizing. Absolutely. Like it, it, and which is makes someone more relatable. Which to me makes them more likable in most cases. Flaws and all. Mm-hmm. Flaws and all. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally, totally agree, Greg. You know, um, we we sent um, a couple of writers to do a cover story on REM at one point. We had done the first cover story with them, so they were very fond of us. This is years later when they are one of the biggest bands in the world. And um, this is before, again, putting that. So my writer, Jim Greer, was in the office, uh, Michael Stipe's office in, in Athens, Georgia, and he was alone in the office. I don't know why he was. And so he was going through Michael Stipe's Rolodex and writing down all the rock stars' numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and the publicist walked in to the office, saw this, and said to, me, said to him with disgust, when is Spin going to send real writers? <laughs> you have to take advantage of your situation. I mean, that's that he he would be. Well, now, would, now I'm starting to see the celebrity side of things in this argument with stories <laughs> like that. Yeah, we we may have single handedly <laughs> turned that corner. Yeah. Well, may, it's it's kind of interesting that like uh, restaurant critics, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever, they all had to remain anonymous, and now. Every restaurant critic is a public person that we all know. Yeah. And maybe yeah. maybe music critics have to go anonymous nowadays in order to to do some real honest mm. work without fearing for their family's safety, you know? You know, I look at the lists some of the other travel publications put out of best hotels in the world, and I've been to some of those places, and they wouldn't make it on the top 10,000, <laughs> let alone the top 100. And then you find out, oh, they buy ads. Yeah, it's all about ads. It's all about ads. Well, now most of the travel press, and I hate to say this, and it sounds terrible, but but it's true, and it's pretty much just universal acknowledged. What you see in a travel magazine or on a travel site has been paid for, pure and simple. Whether whether mm-hmm. yeah, whether it's directly yeah. paid for or in some sort of yeah. you know, we're an advertiser, we're exactly. going to do this, etc. Absolutely. I have writers who work for the other guys, and they one guy said to me once he pitched the story about doing West Hollywood, the gay scene in West Hollywood. I'm here right. I'm here right now, Bob, actually. So just let me know if you need. Oh, anything. excellent. Excellent. Good, good. I could, I could take care of the gay scene in West Hollywood. No problem. He's got boots on the ground. Let's say that. I got boots on the ground. Special kind of boots. They're Louboutin boots, but they're boots on the ground. Well, they count. They count. They count. <laughs> and uh, he said that he got a call an hour later from uh, an advertiser, a marketer, who said, oh, great. I hear you're going to write about us. He says, well, no, I just pitched the story about doing the whole West Hollywood scene. He says, well, no, we just bought an ad, so you're going to be writing it. <laughs> That's how it's gone. That's how it's gone. We don't do it because, you know, what the hell? Does the world need another, you know, phony travel publication? No, it doesn't. It needs a publication that will actually tell you what's what. I just wonder even, though, with because we live in this, like, recommendation culture. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. that it's, it's – um, there's a a a word of mouth kind of thing that didn't exist. I feel like at one point where this is all people want to talk about. Everybody thinks that they're an expert and wants to tell their friends about their favorite restaurants, their favorite hotels, everything. Um, and I think the like the authoritative voice is kind of is kind of lost, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I I mean I love I like my friends, of course, you know, and like happy to hear what they have to say but i I feel like there should be a higher power (laughs) that we're looking to because it's like i don't give a shit what jason thinks about you know x hotel like if he liked it that doesn't mean i'm gonna like it i think that's absolutely true and that was always the value of the media yeah and that value is gone to a great degree it's replaced by the polishing of 
the surface. You know, everything is now, f- not everything, but most things are phony. What do you read and like? Well, I read... Besides, of course, Graydon Carter's airmail. I'm sure you're a subscriber. Oh, no. no <laughs> I, I, I am... I've known Graydon since he was at Spy. Spy and Spin were actually next door to each other on 18th Street. Mm. And I've always liked Graydon. I, I was very close to Tom Phillips, their, their other partner. Mm-hmm. We were friendly those days. And I've known Graydon up until, say, I ran into him on the street a couple of years ago. And I like and respect Graydon greatly. But I didn't like what Vanity Fair became. It became to me the ultimate glossy phony. Mm-hmm. And airmail is not phony, but it's it's not phony. Um, but it's glossy. It's still too glossy. It's a little too precious for me. Mm-hmm. I like grit. That must be nice. I don't like grit. That's because I haven't been rich yet. No, I still like the gloss. <laughs> That's the problem. No, no, I like a bit of grit in my teeth. You know, <laughs> me like, too. Me too. My face in the dirt. You know. But uh, no, I like I like I like grit, and that's that's the romantic side of me that likes to see the real topography of, of humanity. But what are you buying? What are you buying and reading and paying for? No, great question. Atlantic, okay, I think it's fantastic. Uh, the New Yorker, I'm half and half on that. Sometimes it's a bit wonky. Sometimes it's well, superb. that's anything that anything that's good is going to be sometimes wonky. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that it's like like I just read that uh, Willie Nelson story in the New York Times Magazine this weekend mm-hmm. it was it was so interesting and i almost didn't read it and I, i'm like because sometimes I, I yeah it's just like i don't i don't know why sometimes i decide to actually do it versus like i think i already know what this is mm-hmm. does that make sense like i totally. feel like i know about i know about this person but 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 the new york times it, it's like okay maybe they're gonna do something deeper and it's gonna go further i hope that yeah because of who they are and at their best they do mm-hmm they're worse, they're very woke. <laughs> and that gets to be annoying. Yeah. It gets to be annoying. Frankly, that's the way I feel about the New York Times. I did subscribe. I gave it up. Somebody actually, as I canceled it, I actually canceled on the phone. Like an old person. <laughs> that is, I, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, you're right. And the woman said, well, why are you canceling? And sounding like an even older person, I said, it's just too woke. <laughs> like, like, she goes, oh, thank you very much. And you know she wrote down old person. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%, 100%. No future here anyway. Can't be alive that much longer. <laughs> um, but, you know, the New York Times I read, of course, The Guardian, I can't stand their wokeness and their politics and their stridency, but I read it for the soccer coverage mm-hmm. because I'm a soccer fan. Mm-hmm. For professional reasons, I stay on top of what everybody in the travel media is doing. Sure. And I read a bit of everything. I read CNN a lot. The BBC is very good. BBC Online is excellent. It's a lot easier and a lot harder doing it online because there's not really a filter. But I, I think the greatest dilapidation of media has been its gutlessness. It really has the backbone to stand up to its advertisers or to big business. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible shame. And now we had a conversation recently at, at, at Spin where I consult um, with some of my record reviews. And one, one of the editors literally said, well, I worry about our writers getting doxxed. See, I'm telling you, this is real shit. I said, I, I said, this is not the way to look at things. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they have a choice, unfortunately. You have a choice. You always have a choice. You have a choice to have balls. Stand up to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I stood up to the farmer industry with our AIDS column and spin for 10 years and they did all kinds of dirty tricks to try and usurp our business, but we continually pounded on. Well, I think the problem is, I think the problem might be, you know, some writer getting paid $500 to review Beyonce is like, is it worth it? 
do I want my parents' address on Reddit so I can yeah. shit on a fake disco song? I don't know if it's worth it. And that's what they want you to think, Chris. Yeah. That is what no, I mean I I look, I I understand. I take you know, I take the opposite position all the time. I'm a known Frank Ocean skeptic, which gets me in a lot of hot water. Mm-hmm. Not not with me, but okay. I'm with you. <laughs> but I just you know, I just I think that there is like a I think that maybe if I was being paid a lot of money to risk that, then it's it, it the decision becomes different. And maybe that's not how it should be, but I think that is I, I think that like yeah, is it like worth making fun of Machine Gun Kelly on stereogum.com <laughs> to have my my tires slash like i don't know if it's worth it yeah no well the answer is not but the answer is does that have to be the inevitable outcome and i think really publications have to stand up for their writers more yeah i agree with that has to to take the heat and say hey you know i mean we we always did i mean i gave a speech recently um it was sort of a general like talk uh, about how i used to get death threats and how i miss it (laughs) and 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 it's half kidding obviously i don't want to have death threats but I miss the fact that we were once important enough for people to want to kill me. <laughs> sure, that was, sure. That's what it was all about. I didn't, I didn't want to die, but I kind of like the attention. Now, what kind yeah, of what, these death threats were related to, like review kind of things, or no ex- exposés? Beyonce has never, as I know, okay. death threat. Didn't so you're but, saying like no, this po- was political, in, stuff, more political leaning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, our AIDS column. Yeah. I mean, we broke the story. The Live Aid was a complete fuck up and the money went to buy weapons and not food mm-hmm. and uh there were people who wanted to kill me the most serious death threats came from the ku klux klan we would we did the very first story about the land child murders that said it wasn't wayne williams it was the ku klux klan mm. and these guys um called me up at home they said we're going to kill you i said you're not stupid enough I said, you're too stupid you're not smart enough to find me if i give you my address you won't find me <laughs> but i was young I was young. That was not a smart thing to say. I don't. I don't recommend that. I didn't teach that in my journalism class. I would hope not. Even tell the Ku Klux Klan they're not smart enough to find. It sounds so much. I mean, like you were saying before, you know, the 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 romance and the mystery is sort of gone nowadays. Like the mystery of like, will I die today by the Ku Klux Klan? It has a certain mystique. Yeah, it gets the blood pumping. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's funny because I look back on that and I romanticize it. At the time, it wasn't threatening. I, I kind of don't know why it wasn't threatened. I guess it was just too young and stupid. But we were just caught up in the passion of what we were doing meaning something. Mm-hmm. It, it, it meant something. You know, we knew, we knew not every record review meant something. We knew not every cover story meant something. We knew that we did a story on Atlanta child murders that exposed that, the, the, frankly, the white authorities in, in law enforcement in Georgia determined they didn't want to pin it on white people because they were afraid of a race war. So they pinned it on a black guy who was just a scumbag. It was a child pornographer, Wayne Williams, um, who was actually never charged with a single Atlanta child murder. People don't realize that. Never charged with one. It Jesus. was presumed that he had. Yeah, yeah, murder. yeah. Well, sometimes the court of public opinion is 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 more real than the, the court itself. And more so today. But yeah, here we have somebody, in you know, the ex-president who regularly violated the, the laws and the norms of society. And we couldn't, you know, we, we kept up with it as entertainment. You know, it was entertaining to read what a buffoon yeah. he is. But we, we, weren't, <laughs> we weren't indignant enough. I mean, he, he got impeached twice. The, the amazing thing is, why was it only twice? <laughs> you know, I mean, did it really take that long to do it? You could have knocked a couple more out. And, and he would have survived them all. So yeah. we, we, we have lost our indignity. 
you know, we're no longer as indignant as we should be. No, I agree. I, I just wonder what, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what can hold our attention mm-hmm. is, is really what the competition is about in yeah. some ways, I think, you know, whether it's, it's, uh, but even if it's something like sexy and celebrity driven or it's something, you know, kind of dark and political, I think everybody gets, you know, 48 hours max, basically, yeah. to, to keep, to keep us engaged. And then there's something else that's just better. There was more interest in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial than there were oh in, than anything than there were in either matters. of the Trump yeah. uh, impeachments or or the January <laughs> 6th committee. Which by the way, the only way they made that interesting, sorry, the only way they actually got anybody to pay attention to it was they hired real TV producers to produce it as a special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No for sure. But I think and that, that actually I, got to be attention. It's a race to the bottom. Yeah. What do you guys think's gonna change? What do you think will change that? Or is it is it ever gonna change? I think it's like a lot of people went so hard during COVID, I think being so engaged in all of that stuff because there was nothing else to do that it exhausted them and they're a little bit checked out now, which is mm. I think better, honestly. And I think but I think this whole thing of like there's a lot of pride now that goes with like I don't care. Like I don't watch any of this shit because it's bad for my mental health or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that can't last for. I think that's a phase we're in. I think people will go back to wanting to be engaged um, in things that aren't necessarily fun or exciting, just because we go in waves. This is how it goes. When I said we've lost our indignity, we've lost our ability to be indignant. Um, I meant in the real world that really matters. You know mm-hmm. uh, how Trump treated the presidency. Why isn't the entire nation coming together as one to reject him? Mm-hmm. Instead of the entire nation being split in two halves because of it. Um, that's the indignity we've lost. But somehow we've manufactured like weeds, this new indignity that nobody can criticize anybody. And th- that's just an intellectual laziness that's, that's stunning, utterly stunning. What do you think the cause for it is? The cause for it? Or lack of indignance, I should well, say. Well, lack of indignation of, of things that really matter. That, that's laziness and, and a little bit of cowardice. And uh, the substitution of this sort of faux indignity every time somebody makes a remark. I mean, I, I could give you examples. I can't even think of it. There's so many, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, people having to apologize in public because they said something. It's, oh, clearly I made a mistake. Well, you didn't make a mistake. Don't <laughs> 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 you thought there's actually rationale behind it, you know, and if you extended out what you thought and explained what you were thinking, it isn't, it isn't racist or misogynist, you know. That's the problem, Bob. It's just not worth it, man. It's just not worth it. It's, uh, I, it's, I, guess, it's just, I guess that must be something I just completely don't get. I didn't, didn't depending on depending on catch. where your money comes from. It's not worth mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? If if the if the public at large is your source of income and you need to keep them happy and engaged in what you're doing and making, it's not worth dying on a hill that you probably don't care about to begin with that much. Do you want to die on your feet or right on your knees, Chris? You got to make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, I, no, I mean, I think it's. I I think it's all. I mean, I I I see both sides in some ways. Where it's like, yeah, is it is it worth it? I probably not. Like I would like if my life is comfortable and I'm doing well and like I can apologize for something and it'll go away. It's probably better to do that than to write some six page ex you know you know explanation on why it said something because people don't actually care why I said it. It's so true. That's not what people actually care about. That's not the I think point. When it was social media is it made every person that wanted to think they were incredibly important think they were incredibly important. <laughs> There's a massive institutional-sized 
narcissism. So you've been to Chris's Tumblr before. Don't come for don't don't talk about me in my own podcast. <laughs> 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 I didn't want to say anything. I too did my own research. <laughs> I don't mean posting photographs on Instagram is, is narcissism. Although there's a little bit of that there too at a certain point. But this notion that uh, on Twitter you're going to be more indignant than the last guy who posted 30 seconds earlier. You know, we had I did a I did an interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. who I don't agree with on most mm-hmm. of what he has to say, but I definitely think he's a smart guy and um, thoughtful guy. And so I thought we're well, going to hear his side of this whole anti-vax thing. He denies he's an anti-vaxxer, but I but I don't think that's very plausible. Mm-hmm. To know. <laughs> <laughs> he deny he denies he's anti-vaxxer. He is an anti-vaxxer. Yes, exactly. The, 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 OJ denied being a murderer too. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's not really a very good. Uh, candidate for us believing that. But, but the point is, he had very interesting things to say. And so we published this interview, which I spent personally two weeks fact checking. I mean, it's much more than they would normally spend on something, but I did because I thought it was really, really important to publish this opposing view to the orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. We took a lot of heat the first day it goes up. There's people screaming at me in public, in uh, social media, which the editor of Spin, where I published this piece, sent me some examples of this. So the next day I wrote a response. That was it. Never heard again. Nothing. Because my response just <laughs> categorically said, you're wrong. You're wrong. Every single line in this piece has been proven to be correct. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may think it's a fringe element mm. of the, the whole story. And I said, I'm personally vaccinated, boosted, and absolutely pro-vaccine without doubt. But I want to hear why people aren't. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the end of it. Never got another social media Docs or whatever you call it. Again, no, never got nobody. It was it because for once someone just stood up and said, Hey, you know what? You're wrong. <laughs> we had uh, BJ Novak on the podcast. He's a friend of ours and he went on Bill Maher and he basically said that we have to like trust the audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically, like these yeah. guys, like these people are like, we have to let them decide. Have a little more faith in the intelligence of, of, yeah. the, the, of our audience. Yeah. Can't coddle them. Yeah, you have to like get you know the the real life isn't on Twitter. Like real life are people that are buying tickets and going to the theater, and we have to give them some. Yeah, you know we have to give them some credit. Like we're not giving people enough credit. Exactly. Uh, very. Uh, to- I totally agree with that point. Totally. Yeah. And look at Ma himself. Look how how brave he is. <laughs> the stances he takes. You know, he just gets up there and says what he wants. I to mean, say. if I if I'm getting paid, you know, fifty million, I'll say whatever the fuck I feel like too. Yeah. If I'm stoned, uh, see, if I'm I would stoned, do it for nothing. If I'm stoned and getting paid fifty million, I bet I'll say anything too. Oh, that's genius. That's very funny. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. no, you're right. You're right. It is different if you're getting paid fifty million. You say what you want, but 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 on the other hand, he was always like that, and he wasn't always getting paid fifty million. He built that. No, of course. I mean, that's why you get paid fifty yeah. million. It's because you get to the point where that that's like, and he is really long enough. Really smart about it and he undoes some of these things with such thoughtfulness so i i think there's room for it i think there should be more of it and you're right your 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 novak guy was right we don't give the audience enough credit we don't you Mm know uh bob thank you for joining us today on how long gone it was a pleasure oh definitely a pleasure too for me yeah thank you for joining us and um people can check out this wanderlust is the website yeah it's wanderlust with no okay with no it's it's wanderlusttravel.com 
Got it. Well, the only travel site with a sense of humor, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, travel sites do tend to be serious, so there, there's probably room in the market for this. There's definitely room, yeah. We're standing alone in a big hall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, for, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. Great. I hope I get we'll to meet you, you guys. We'll see you soon, Bob. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll be around. Talk to you soon. We'll see you. That goes for all you punks in the press that want to start shit by printing lies instead of the things we said. That means you, Andy Setzer at Hit Parader, Circus Magazine, Mick Wall at Kerrang, Bob Guzzioni Jr. at Spin. What you pissed off because your dad gets more pussy than you? Fuck you. Suck my fucking dick. You be ripping off the fucking kids while they be paying their hard-earned money to read about the bands they want to know 